Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Activewear. Activewear. It's a phenomenon that is sweeping the streets of Bondi. Shopping centres throughout the eastern suburbs and northern beaches, maybe even the North Shore, I believe, has been infected by this phenomenon. And active wear is this. Active wear is the dynamic where people wear their gym clothes even though they have no intention of going to the gym. Have you seen them? Yes. Maybe you do it. And I reckon I've figured out what has given rise to to this dynamic because I'm sure there's somewhere in the Bible that this is one of the signs of the Armageddon. I reckon I've worked out the dynamic behind active wear and this is what has happened. What has happened here is this, that somehow in our society, looking like has ascended being like. Like since when has it been okay to go outside when you really don't have the body to be wearing spandex? That is not something that you should inflict on other people when they're just trying to do their shopping. And the challenge is, I think Christians, when it comes to our spiritual and our moral fitness, maybe just maybe we've done exactly the same thing. We call them religious people. Religiosity happens when looking like has ascended being like. And so when you become that sort of person, then what happens is you active wear your faith. You say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But then all that you do looks nothing like what it means to be a Christian. Remember Jesus said, by their fruit you will know my disciples. Now he was a contextualised guy, so if he was walking along the promenade there at Bondi, he would have explained it in a totally different way. He would have said, by their muscles, by their tone, by their fitness, you will know my disciples, not by the spandex that they wear, right? So one of the great promises of the Bible is that as C.S. Lewis says, there's no mere mortals, uh, that, that inside of you, that there is such a glory inside of you that comes into you when you give your life to Christ, that if you were to see your true self in the mirror, you would be at risk of falling down and worshipping yourself. That is the great promise of Christianity, that, uh, that there is a beauty and a wonder and a radiance that you are destined for, and yet many of us know that that's not quite where we are. And take the Christian stuff aside from it for a second, right? Isn't that why we always do New Year's resolutions? Isn't this the season that we're doing New Year's resolutions? Why do we do resolutions? Because I believe at the heart of us, we know that we are destined to be something more, something greater, something more beautiful. And so we know that there is a difference between who we are and who we are meant to be. And that, friend, is the summary of what Christianity is all about. So the question is, how are we transformed from that? And the simple answer is obedience, active discipline. Uh, The Christian life, it's like like the word of God is, is, is batter and there's a bowl and a spatula and that's it. There's no thermomix in the Christian life. You just sort of can't chuck the word of God and a little bit of church and a little bit of that into the bowl and it all, you all just mysteriously pop out as the sort of person that Jesus intends you to be. It's hard work. It's obedience, active discipline. How do we transform into the person we're meant to be? Active discipline. Now, there's a problem with that because when we hear obedience... Uh, We rail against that. The modern person rails against that. Let's define obedience up front. Obedience, discipline, is allowing someone or something to cut across your will. 
That's what it is. Now, the minute the modern person hears that, they think, oh my goodness, that's an end of my freedom. I don't get to do whatever I want. And one thing that the modern person in the Bible is agreed on is what freedom is. Freedom, wouldn't you agree, is that feeling of fulfillment when you can do whatever you want when you want. Now, we're both agreed on what freedom is, but the problem is when you come to understand yourself, you realise that you can't do what you want when you want, right? And it's those moments that we find that in 2016 we're going to mouth off, we're going to get angry at someone, we're going to hurt someone that we love. Uh, we're not going to be able to, to succeed in areas that we thought that we could succeed in. We recognise that we are human and we're frail and we're broken and we're not where we're meant to be. And yet we, we all desire freedom, Christian and non-Christian. What differs though is, is how you get that. How you get that. Uh, the modern person thinks, oh my goodness, we can't have freedom through obedience. It, it will restrict me. And yet the, the modern person, particularly the modern person down at the Bondi, is the one who's forking out hundreds, if not thousands of dollars over a couple of year period on these wonderful people they call in life called their personal trainer. And anyone who is successful has come to understand this dynamic that if you're not quite where you want to be and you find it difficult to get there, you outsource your incompetencies, right? (laughs) That's why we have these wonderful people called lawyers and accountants and physiotherapists and personal trainers. Successful people understand you outsource your incompetencies. Now, if we know that is true for the physical life, my question to you, friend, whether you believe or not, is could it be true for your spiritual and your moral life? So the first question for you this morning as we look into 2016 is, do you have a spiritual and moral personal trainer? Uh, That's what this verse gets to in verses 3 and 4. It says, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. See, when it says here that the truth is not in them, here's what it's saying. It's, it's really asking you, are you internalizing a standard of truth that is outside of your own creation? Something outside of you that you didn't create because... That's how the Bible differs from the modern person's view of freedom. See, how does the modern person think that they get freedom? They think they get freedom like this. Freedom is that I've just got to find whatever fulfills me and then I've just got to go and do it, right? Then I'm free. I've just got to discover whatever, whatever is true, whatever is right for me. I've just got to go off and do it. Now, my question to people who think like that is, how do you know that is going to fulfill you? I mean, I, I look at myself, I don't know about the conflict in your own life, but I look at the conflict in my own life. Look, I, I want to be free. I want both. I want to be fit on one hand, and I also want ice cream. <laughs> and I am conflicted on that on a nightly basis, around about 9 p.m. <laughs> I want both. I, I want to just do whatever fulfills me at the time. Look at a, at a deeper level. Another way to describe it would be that service called the NPS. The NPS is that service where you work out which medications interact with each other. Some of you are at that stage of life where you've got to, you're taking about three or four different medications and, and at, 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 at best they're going to counteract each other. At worst, it, it could kill you. And my point is that if, if pharmacologically there is a body of knowledge, there is a truth that says if you take this pill with this pill, it will kill you. 
If pharmacologically, many of us here have no problem ascribing to a standard of truth outside of ourselves when it comes to our medication, my question for you is, could that not be true of the spiritual and moral life? The human self is a, is a complex being of flesh and blood, but Christians believe, and of spirit. And so who is to say uh, that, that there is not something else, a truth, a standard, a blueprint that, for which you are built? That's what the Christian worldview says, by the way, if you're joining us this year and you're checking out Christianity. The difference between freedom of the world and the freedom of Christianity says there's a blueprint There's a purpose, there's a design, there's a manual for how the complex human life is meant to be lived. And until you embrace that truth and you internalize that truth, then you never truly will be free. There is a standard for which you are designed. And to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, The greatest sin, the greatest sin is to not seek out what that design is and to not move into the restrictions that allow you to live in accordance with that. Well, to put it another way, is an eagle free to go swimming at 15 metres underneath the water? Is a fish free to jump out of the tank? Of course they are, but are they truly free? (laughs) No. Because true freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but it's finding the right restrictions, the restrictions of the context for which you were built and being obedient to that. See? That's when you find true True freedom. Now, that is exactly what a personal trainer does if you don't have one. They come to you and they say, I've got a plan for you. Uh, It's 12 weeks. I've tailored it specifically for you, for your body type and the way that you operate and the injury that you're currently carrying. And you're going to need to do this rep and this rep and this rep and this rep. And you say, that's fantastic. I'm going to do that. What's happened? You're internalizing a truth that is beyond yourself. And that that is in accordance with how we know that you are best designed. So the first question is, do you have a personal trainer? Do you, do, you ha- do you subscribe to a truth that is beyond yourself? And until you do that, then you actually have no basis for obedience. Because what is obedience? Allowing someone or something to cut across your will. And so if you are the sort of person that just chooses to do whatever you're fulfilling, whatever you feel like at the time, nothing can cut across your will. You've got no basis for obedience and therefore no basis for freedom. So, have you got a personal trainer, spiritual and a moral personal trainer this year? Now, I know it sounds oppressive, it sounds oppressive, but here's the next question that's going to help clarify that. Not only I'm asking, have you got a personal trainer, but my next question I'm asking you is, what is your relationship to your personal trainer? Because the nature of your relationship has everything to do with the motivation for obedience. Let's take that principle about someone cutting across your will. Why do you obey a lawyer or a financial planner or a physiotherapist or an accountant? Why do you do that? Because if their advice is good and you obey them, then that's good for you. It's what I call a consumer relationship. When you've got a relationship with a lawyer and accountant, so long as you like their advice and you think that you're winning and you think that it's good for you, then you continue to retain their services. They're a good account. They're good advice. They do what I think is right and it seems to be right, so I'll keep them. But if it doesn't work for you, then you scratch them. Get rid of them. It's a consumer relationship. But the relationship that the Bible is talking about here when it talks about the word obedience is totally different. It's a covenantal relationship. 
Here we see it in verse uh, 5. It says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Now there is a really, really dangerous way to read this verse. Here's the dangerous way to read it. The dangerous way to read it is what religious people do all the time and they say, If I am obedient, then God will love me. And that is absolutely the worst way to read it. And it's totally not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is a bit more like this. I, I overheard some ladies talking up at Erin Affair a couple of years ago. That's a shopping centre on the central coast. And they were all gathering for, I don't know if it was a baby shower or high tea or just a mum's get together. But they all had the bubs there and they're bouncing them on the knee. And, and one of the ladies was talking about how a husband had bought her the nappy bag that she had always wanted. Now, apparently, that's a, it's a really big thing, getting the right nappy bag. And so, uh, so she talked about this particular brand of nappy bag. I had no idea what it was at the time. I could just tell by the excitement of the other ladies and the slight air of envy from the rest of them about this particular nappy bag. And, and so they're talking through how about the husband had got it for her. And one of them said, oh, my goodness, you must be so thrilled. And she said, no, I had to ask him for it. Now, ladies, can you relate? Yeah? Yeah. It's as if you should never have bought the nappy bag at all. (laughs) I had to ask him for it. Because, um, guys, here's the tip. It's got nothing to do with the present. But it's got everything to do with the fact that you took the three hints that she'd dropped a couple of months before and you'd found the right shop and you'd saved enough money and you'd found the right brand and the right colour according to her tastes and you had secretly gone out and you'd gone and purchased it and then you placed it onto the bed. You'd found her needs and her desires and you'd summarised the whole thing without her even having to communicate that to you verbally, by the way, or telepathically. And you present it with, I I had to ask him for it. (laughs) Now what's happening here? When you get it right, guys, what's happening here? Love is being completed through obedience. Because anyone knows that in a good relationship and healthy relationship, that love genuinely is is completed when, when you take the initiative to find what the other person loves and desires and you submit yourself to that and you begin to love that too. And even if you don't love doing it because you love them, you do it. You go to Taylor Swift, even though you might kind of like it, but you do it. You sit through, you sit through the 15th time that you have to watch Love Actually or the holiday at Christmas time. What is that? That's an obedience, but it's obedience in a covenantal relationship in which love is being completed. So see the difference? A true Christian heart says, I love God. I love who he is. I don't obey him because I have to, but because I want to. I scour his word. I think, about all the, I think of all the things that he desires. If, if only I could secretly go away and find all of the things and forget that he sees everything and he'll know anyway. But, but if I could find all the things that he loves and desires and if I could just do it and offer that up to him as an offering and say, see, look, look what I bought you, surprise. I always think about what Jesus and God would say at the pearly gates when you eventually get there, particularly if it's a religious person. The person that goes up to them and says, look, I've done all of these things. 
And God says to Jesus, you know, uh, aren't you just thrilled? Look at all that Sam has done. Jesus said, no, I had to ask him to do it. (laughs) It says here, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete. So it means a Christian obeys not because they have to, but because they want to in love and they delight in discovering what he wants and his desires. So see how that motivation can totally radically change your, that that relationship can change your motivation for obedience? You know, because you have to, not because you want to. So finally, let's get practical here. Uh, what does it mean? How do, how do we really change? Uh, not only do we need a personal trainer, not only do we need to understand what the nature of the relationship with that personal trainer is, but just the simple one that I've got to ask you this morning in 2016, will you just do what he says? It's not rocket science when we talk through the Christian life. It's almost like if I went up to fitness first and I'm paying the $80 an hour for the personal trainer to be there and they said you've got to do three reps at 50 kilos if you could do that now and I go, no, I'm just going to sit on the end of the bench and I'm just going to watch. Eat ice cream. <laughs> you just got to do what he says. And the first thing that means is that here's how you change. The first way you change is it, you, what I call earn the burn. I got that from my spin class instructor when I go up to the gym because that's one of her favourite phrases, always has been, you've got to earn the burn. Because uh, spin class is a unique dynamic where you get a whole range of different people. That's where you see a lot of active wear coming out. And you see people getting on the bike and there's often two types of people in spin class. Uh, there's, there's the beginner who gets there and, and spin class is where you spin along to a, a, a range of beats in music and the sort of person who gets there and they've got all their brand new gear on and they sit on top of the bike and they're just popping away like this. They love it. You get halfway through the class and... They've got a book out and their iPhone. And then you've got the other person in spin class when they get there. And you're getting halfway through the class. You can see them grinding under the effort of the resistance that they're putting on their bike. And there's sweat coming from their brow. And you can see that they're almost about to vomit. There's always two different types of people when you get the spin class. And so the instructor is always saying to us, you've got to earn the burn. Earn the burn. Because in spin class, you're the one who decides how much resistance you're going to have on your bike. And so some people can look like they're spinning at the same rate and they're doing nothing. There's no, there's no burn. There's, there's, there's no effort. There's no resistance. There's no engagement. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you will come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. When he says hold to my teaching, he says you've got to earn the burn. You've got to do what I say. You've, you've got to submit yourself to this. And some of you say, look, I do. On one hand, I do. But look, here's the thing. Until you take that into the core of your life, you know what it's like. It's the, it's the millions of the micro decisions. It's those millions of decision points that you are going to have this year that are going to shape your character. Do I or don't I? Do I submit to that temptation or do I follow the word of God? Do I go with what feels good to me at the moment or do I trust in what he, he says? You, you know what it's like, friends. So many of you have been there. So That's why so many of you radiate so beautifully. Because you've understood this principle. You, you've earned, you earned the burn. But here's the thing. You can active wear your obedience to God. You can look like you're being a Christian. But that's a very vulnerable place to be. It's a scary place to be. Because what happens when life turns up? 
And doesn't that what, isn't that what happens? Isn't that what Jesus was getting to in his Sermon on the Mount when he talks about two houses and one's built on rock and one's built upon sand? Both are great looking houses, but until the storms of life come, then, we'll, then and only then will we know which will truly stand. And I've always wished that in spin class we could just take everyone for a real road bike session. Then we would truly understand who's earning the burn. And I think church can be exactly a bit like a spin class. And so many of us, we, we all look the same. We, we pray and we attend and we praise and we worship. And, and you, you know and you seem to sense that there, there are people here who, who on one hand, they're, they're pressing into Jesus and they're pressing into God and they're sweating and they're grinding through his word. And it, the, on the other end of the spectrum, you always know that it's a guarantee that someone's turned up and they're spinning. <laughs> Let's get real and practical for a second here. Our giving. You you know in your heart of heart that that there there are moments where it's the choice between do I turn up the resistance or do I just back it off a bit and hope that it sort of looks the same on a Sunday. Or connection group. It takes a lot of effort to go and turn up and do community with people, particularly when this community is so different. Have you seen some of the people that you've got to do life with? People will offend you. People will get in your face. People will challenge you in a healthy church like this. But it takes effort to earn the burn and in so doing, uh, you allow other people to cut across your will and you'll grow. But you've got to earn the burn. You've got to turn up. Service. That that moment where we spin and we think, oh yeah, someone else can do it. (laughs) But you've got to earn the burn. Everyone needs everyone in this place. And so, of course, we pastors can't see it, the friends can't, only God can see it. But he says that you need to earn the burn. These are things, if we're honest, none of us can tell where we're really at. That's between you and God. It's a you and God thing. But if you want to change, earn the burn. Here's the last one quickly. Don't mistake obedience for agreement. I, I thought that I've... I could ask my dad, he's on sound this morning, but I thought that I, I was pretty obedient to my father throughout most of my life and what I've come to realise is I wasn't obedient to him I was just in agreement with him on about 80% of what he said you see I wasn't I wasn't obedient I was I was in agreement I just took most of the things that I thought at the time that he was saying made sense and I did those things that made sense and the things that didn't make sense from him I just didn't do but see, I, wasn't, I, I was in agreement, but I was not in obedience to him. Because when we talk about obedience here, God says, I've come in not to be your lawyer or your accountant or your personal trainer. I'm not an advisor. I've come to be your Lord. And I've come for total obedience. And you can be in agreement with me, but don't mistake that for obedience. And look, practically, what, look, what does that look like? Listen, listen to the way that the, the word here talks about obedience. Obey his command. Walk as Jesus walked. Obey his word. When we come to understand that this word is his will and his desire and his blueprint for our life, when it comes to that, when it comes to this word, I hear interesting approaches from people. Oh, yeah, look, there's bits in this that I just don't understand or there's bits in this that you just sort of can't trust and there's bits of this here that I just don't really think applies today, so I'm not going to go with that. Oh, there's bits of this that I really don't agree with. I find that offensive. Well, I'm not going to go up with that. Look, friend, when we treat the Bible that way, can't you see what you're doing? I, either this 
is shaping your understanding or your understanding is shaping the Bible. And the minute that you think that we can pick and choose and work out what we do or don't agree with, the minute we move to that point, what we're saying is, I somehow have a body of knowledge that is external and higher than that truth that we believe this to be. Now, is it easy? Of course not. That's why you've got to do church. There's, there's, there's no pet answers in the Bible. They've got to be wrestled out and worked out. And so the one dynamic that I pray that we always have in this place as a church is that we seek, uh, that we seek to um, stand under the Bible, not just understand the Bible. That if it doesn't make sense, we don't, we don't cut out. When, when the Bible says and the personal trainer says, do one more rep, that we don't just give up. But we press into that and we wrestle with that knowing that he was growing us and shaping us in the process. You see, agreement with God's not obedience. Either your understanding is shaped by the Bible or the Bible is shaped by your understanding. It's one or the other, but it can't be both. And here's the thing, you can't have obedience, right? You can't have obedience until you come up against something that you don't feel like doing. <laughs> and you still do it anyway. That's what obedience is. We'll talk about that next week in actually passive discipline. Another way to have discipline in your life. What does the process mean when you come up against something that you just don't feel like doing and you do it anyway? That's obedience. So, active wear. <laughs> active wear. Let's get really simple this morning. All My, my heart for this year is that, that we would be a church that's so wary about that dynamic when looking like ascends being like. So my simple question for you this morning is, are you giving Jesus Christ exactly the same, if not more, hopefully, more resource and more importantly, more authority over your life than you are your lawyer, your accountant, your physiotherapist, your personal trainer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you have shown us how life is meant to be lived in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that as we've been listening to your word, that uh, you have been convicting us, Holy Spirit, that you've been showing us areas of our life in which we have tapped out or uh, we have wandered away from you or uh, we just haven't felt like doing what you were calling us to do. And I pray over this precious community and I thank you so much, Father, for the lives in this place that give uh, many of us who are on this journey encouragement that all of this is possible. I thank you for so many of those amazing lives in this place, of those uh, who have done many years of this wrestling and uh, the pains and the trials and the hardships of life. And they have proven to many of us who watch on that that this is true, that if we hold to your commands, that Lord Jesus, you will give us the truth and that truth will set us free. And so, Father, if anything, may we move out of this place and into this year, being a church that, uh, that doesn't active wear our faith, a church that is more content with being and being imperfect for the time being, knowing that uh, we are on a journey to look more and more like you, Lord Jesus. So speak to us as you have been this morning. Bring us to a point of commitment in this moment that we will stand under your word and, and under your instruction, Lord Jesus, and that in so doing, you will craft us into all that we are meant to be. We can't wait to see what's going to happen in that. We pray this now in your mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. 
If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.